Hey everybody, it's John. Just wanted to hop in before the episode starts and let you guys know that Colin and I messed up a little bit at the beginning of this episode. We forgot how this movie started, which is really sad given the fact that I saw it twice and he saw it more recently than I did. But we figure it out later on, so just stick with us through the episode and hope you enjoy it. I know we said it earlier, but how impressive is it that... They managed to make a guy with feathers on his feet scary. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Other Brothers Podcast, the show where two best friends give their thoughts and opinions on any and all consumable content out there in the world. I'm John. And I'm Colin, and we are your hosts. Today... We are back, season three, though we are recording three months later because of life stuff. What are we talking about? We're talking about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, end of phase four, because, you know, this is how it makes sense to talk about these kinds of things. So, yeah, um, what Colin's referencing is even though last week you just got an episode saying that it's the start of season three, do-do-do-do-do. Oh, yeah, um, no, we, 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 we can't, no do-do-do-do-do. We used our, we used our budget. We used our air horn budget. It's gone. <laughs> Maybe season four. We did. We'll get, we'll get there. Yeah. But we we are recording this three months after that episode, even though they're coming out a week apart from each other. It's just our life has been insane. So we've kind of just put everything on hold aside from actual life. So season three is pieced together in a weird way, but <laughs> it's fine. We're here. We're doing it. And besides, if you guys have been following us long enough, you're used to time traveling by now. So exactly. you're fine. Exactly. Very cool. But yeah, we are talking about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I'm very excited to talk about it. And with that, I'm going to need your one-sentence summary of this movie. Um. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I have like two different one-sentence summaries. I'm just going to go. Oh, geez. Do you want okay. the funny one or the accurate one? Honestly, I want both. Okay. I, I, let, let's, let's, go, let's go accurate first. Okay. Let's be professional for our viewers, our listeners. Okay. Um, man with feet wings tries to destroy the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my serious one take that how you will all right um i am both apprehensive nervous and excited for the funny one um it's it's really it's just very simple it's marvel meets james cameron's avatar that's that's all i got uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so those Fair. are my two different sentences uh, okay. but they're both true all right <laughs> Um, I just thought it was so funny that in like I'm sitting in the movie theater and the Avatar Way of Water trailer comes out. It's the last trailer before the movie ah, starts, yes. and then five minutes later we see these blue water people. That's all. That's my. That's. It was just like, oh, Avatar. <laughs> Speaking of which, spoiler alert: we will get there. We will probably talk about that movie maybe at some point. If not as the movie directly, we'll reference it at some point in a future podcast. So yeah, you're welcome yeah, for no, that. No, for sure. Um, the first one and the second one that's coming out in a couple a couple weeks. Maybe we'll just cover them both together and maybe. we'll just briefly go over the first one. That way we don't need to sit through all of that again. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm going to give my one sentence summary. Please do. <laughs> uh, Wakanda is now part of the world and not everybody likes that. <laughs> yeah. That's fair too. That was that made up on the spot. Fair. You like that? That that, that was uh, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
nice improv <laughs> good job thanks and, and you know what um real quick uh you mentioned the avatar way of water trailer and, and everything like that this movie starts out with one of the coolest and scariest scenes in a marvel movie with the siren yeah. song happening on that that dock or drilling boat thing i don't know what it was but mm-hmm. honestly terrifying like yeah. i got before we get into too much before oh yeah we get spoilers into too much, i do want to say um warning. If you haven't seen Black Panther Wakanda Forever, we are going to be talking about it in depth. So there will be spoilers from here on. Please go watch it before you listen. Or if you don't want to watch it and you just want to listen. Or if you heard that that minor spoiler and you were like, man, now I need to go watch this movie. Correct. You do. And we'll be here when you get back. It'll be okay. Go watch it. Yeah. We'll be here. We're not going anywhere. Nope. All right. Sorry. Continue. Continuing. Okay. So that scene <laughs> was legitimately terrifying. And I and I, I love how Marvel is starting to realize that they don't need to be clean with how they're doing some of their movies and some of their projects recently. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, but Werewolf by Night, way gorier than I was expecting it to be. And yeah. with this movie in particular, how this movie starts with literally luring people off to their deaths into the water. Biscuit says hello, by the way. Um, Hi, Biscuit. I don't know if you heard him or not, um, mm-hmm. but luring people into the water and just straight up just killing, I don't know, what, maybe 100 people just right off the bat? An entire compound of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, Namor. Someone uh, getting, you get, well, you have someone get getting speared through the chest and stuck into a wall. That was wild. Oh, yeah. That um, was, <laughs> that was pretty that cool, was but also terrifying. I, uh, I had goosebumps the entire time and my, my jaw dropped at how this movie opened. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. No. Well, and what happens is like the people get off the helicopter and they zoom in on them. You're like, oh, these are going to be important people. We're going to know who these people are. We're going to learn their names. We're going to follow them throughout the movie because like they intentionally zoomed in on them to like oh, make yeah. sure you know these guys are important. And they're, they're, and they thro- die they're throwing three name- minutes later. Yeah, they're throwing names around. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. these are new characters. Got to get to yeah. know these people. Guess not. Yeah. I mean, that being said, no. <laughs> they they didn't die on screen. Yeah, the helicopter crashed in the water and exploded. But, like, it's the MCU. Maybe. Eh, but, like, the fact that they didn't reference no, them dead. for the rest of them. Yeah, they're, 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 they're pretty dead. And they even said, like, there were no survivors at this oh. thing later on. <laughs> yeah, I missed that. So, yeah, no, <laughs> they all died. Um, but, so to, to follow that up. Directly after this incredible display of, oh yeah, this guy with feathers on his feet can be intimidating, we have Angela Bassett as the queen talking to basically the UN and saying, yeah, Wakanda's borders are open and we're, and we're, we are talking to people, but Vibranium is ours as the Dora Milaje have the coolest Dora Milaje scene ever. Oh my <laughs> God. It's just one amazing scene after the next. And the part that yeah. the the thing that really makes this scene for me is this is the part that I'm going to apologize because I am going to mispronounce this name so terribly. It's Ludwig Gar. It's it G O umlaut R A N S S O N Garunasan Garunasan. Why did I, why did I add a D on the end of there? Garunasan. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's the composer for this movie. Oh, okay. And the music cool. is stunning yeah. i love the score of this uh, oh, of this movie es- especially awesome. the dora, dora milaje soundtrack like right in that fight scene mm-hmm. it's perfect 
Um, obviously, he worked on other uh, the other Black Panther movie, but he's also done some other things that you might recognize, John. Oh, yeah. Uh, that includes uh, The Mandalorian. Very cool. Book of Boba Fett. Okay. Venom. Oh, Venom. A whole bunch of other stuff, including Atlanta. Uh, this is America with Childish Gambino. And Community. So basically oh. what I'm saying is we can thank Community for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Wow. That's... Yeah. Thank you, Community. <laughs> You paved the way for Wakanda Forever to happen. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I thought that um, the first couple of scenes of this movie were just very well done. Um, and the, just, like, the fact that it was action followed by action, but also, like, this display of power from queen ramonda in this moment where like she's like you think we're weak because um our king died and the black panther doesn't exist but psych france suck it (laughs) you're the one sitting here telling me that i'm wrong and you're the one trying to steal my stuff here are your men next time you do this they're not gonna live like that was i was like holy crap whoa (laughs) yeah and and just very to the point but also very much uh I don't know how to word the thing that I'm trying to say very much with like this display of power and of presence in just even how they present themselves in the room. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and how they, how they have the Queens guard, not just the door of Malaje, but just everybody that is in that room that is Wakandan. It's just having this presence about them and yeah. just very much taking the, no, 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 no. This is our thing. Mm-hmm. This is what it's going to be. I, it's awesome. Yeah. And it was so interesting how they intentionally scripted the line of, you can look for vibranium anywhere outside of Wakanda. Good luck finding it. Like, they phrased it pretty much like that. That's paraphrasing oh, slightly. Yeah. But, like, they said that, and then we cut to this scene where they find vibranium somewhere else, right? Um, <clears throat> oh, did I get those scenes back to back backwards? No, you were correct in what Okay. You did. Um those were separate things. Okay, I wasn't sure which scene happened first. No, you were right. That scene happened first, but that wasn't um with them finding vibranium. That was a separate yeah. thing, right? Cuz that was Oh no, 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 no. Maybe you did get them backwards. Am I going crazy? Yeah, no. This movie cuz this movie starts um with them with T'Challa's death. Okay, I then I'm just... <laughs> Which yeah. is fine. I didn't even think about it either. Okay, right well, now. I got that backwards. And speaking of which, T'Challa's death is... A, how, how they choose to tackle that is heartbreaking and must have been incredibly difficult because the movie was done, let alone the fact that it is, you know, everybody involved in this project, they lost one of their best friends. The fact that they were able to rework the script and make a complete and full finished movie out of that. Yeah, no, I um was thoroughly impressed with the way that they went about like honoring Chadwick Boseman throughout this movie with the different tributes. Basically, this entire movie is just a tribute to him. Like just well, in it's, the very... it's a tribute to him. It's a tribute to him in an already finished movie and it doesn't feel tacked on. 
Yeah. Like if you were to if you were to watch this movie in like maybe 20, 30 years with somebody that didn't know the history of Chadwick Boseman passing or anything going on in the real world mm-hmm. around this, you know, it might be like, why are they focusing on this guy? But I think you might be able to put two and two together because of the Stanley-esque tribute they give him with the Marvel intro. Yeah. But Which I thought that that intro was so cool. Oh, it was stunning. Just the use of silence yeah. and nothing just silence throughout that intro with different Chadwick Boseman clips was super moving to me. Like at the very start, I like had chills. I had goosebumps. I was just like, ah, whoa. Um, And then moving into that crazy scene, just with everything going on, (laughs) like it was wild. I thought it was really well done, (laughs) but yeah. um, I respect completely how they approached Chadwick Boseman than his death and using that in the way they did. I think they did it very tastefully. They didn't do it in a way that was like stupid and just over the top and super obnoxious. I think they respected it. Oh, they, they beyond respected it. It seems like they treated it like everybody did in the real world because nobody nobody knew he was sick. He didn't tell anybody. No. You know, through all of the different movies he was in, he didn't tell anybody that he was sick. Yeah. And then just one day was like, hey, I'm not going to make it to the office and the next day gone, that kind of thing. Obviously, that's not exactly what happened, but, like, it was that fast. And so in this movie, it almost... The the vibe that I got is that nobody in Wakanda knew either and that he kept it to himself as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a very similar way of passing in a very similar way of passing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that because that's the opening scene. I'm I'm... Wow, I'm way out of it. It opens with Siri trying to recreate the uh, heart-shaped herb. Mm-hmm. Yep. And using fancy magic DNA light balls. Yep, science. Holograms. Yeah, science magic. What kind of vibranium science? It's That's what it is. Yeah, um, uh, science magic. Yep, that's what Wakanda <laughs> is, science magic. Um, yeah. But, yeah, which I thought was really cool to see, too. Just, like, the whole DNA in terms of those orbs that you could physically grab and try things with. It was really cool seeing all that. Um, Having watched the the first Black Panther movie and then Infinity War and everything associated to that and really already having an introduction to Wakanda, mm-hmm. this definitely felt more of a fleshed out, this is the world, or this is the culture. You know, this is the this is what Wakanda is. Yeah. You know, it's not just, oh, we have the main building, you have the shots of the city, and then the countryside where there are goats. You, you know what I mean? Like, there's more. Yeah. It, it feels like an actual place. Mm-hmm. And just like the first Black Panther movie, it's a place I want to go. This would be an amazing place to visit. It would be really cool. It's so interesting to me, and this isn't something I, this honestly isn't something I wrote down or thought about at all until right now, just talking about it. Um, it's so neat how they mix their high-tech advanced world with the simple traditional african ways like yeah they have the science they have their crazy spaceships they have the technology to do all these different things they have ai that does exactly what you want it to do but they also have these ceremonies these rituals these different things that they do in day-to-day life to help them just get through life combining the two worlds like that is so interesting and how oh for sure decides to do that it's really cool and it feels like a real place yeah for as like futuristic and uh utopian that's the word i was looking for for as futuristic and utopian as it is it's not perfectly clean 
Like, it doesn't feel fake is what I'm trying to say. No. I'm not, like, that's not a negative. Like, it, it feels lived in. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it feels alive. It feels like it is a high status, very high tech place, but it has just that, that little edge of realism in it. And I love that so much. Yeah. No, I thought it was great. Um, I think Wakanda is really, really cool. So yes, like you, I would love to visit Wakanda if it actually existed. Speaking of people visiting Wakanda, uh, we get this really touching scene where uh, the the why why can't I remember the queen's name? It's because I don't have. There it is. IMDb is now open. It is very exciting. We have Queen Ramonda speaking with Shuri, uh, trying to get, get to the her point to of yeah. Shuri yeah. is kind of refusing to grieve, and that's kind of the whole. talking with my hand so that's the problem you're welcome for that <laughs> that was funny yeah queen ramada is trying to get shuri to grieve and that's kind of the whole theme of this movie like if you could bring the the movie down to just one idea it's basically shuri trying to grieve for chadwick's death uh for her brother's death and in the process of trying to show uh shuri this grieving ritual of burning the funeral attire we get uh cuckoo khan showing up yeah we do and yeah. man is he a scary guy <laughs> oh just oh, just out of the man. water Freaking yeah namor and... just terrifies me in this whole movie he's so well portrayed i couldn't help but laugh a little bit as he was coming out of the water though with his wing my... feet well no because my brain went to uh madagascar 2 when when the hippo guy shows up coming out of the water oh okay <laughs> sure because <laughs> just how how it was framed and how it was shot i know it was supposed to be scary but like mm-hmm. that that was the reference my brain made and i just thought it was so funny i let out a little laugh okay but yeah uh and namor cuckoo gun uh okay wow i'm going to pronounce this name so bad tenok huerta yeah that's it uh namor uh, he yeah. shows up and is basically like, hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, don't tell anybody about me. Uh, by the way, there's these people looking for vibranium. And if uh, you bring the person responsible for finding the vibranium, I'll let you uh, keep doing what you're doing and I'll keep doing what I'm doing and we'll go on our merry way. And uh, the Navi drop off the device uh, silently uh, next to this conversation happening, which is equally terrifying. Uh, <laughs> when Colin says the Navi, he is taking my sentence and using it against me now. Um, 100% because I was thinking fine. the exact same thing. Yeah. And that is where we begin uh, to, long story short, find Riri Williams, played by Dominique Thorne, who's playing Ironheart. And the introduction of Ironheart is something that I wasn't sure was going to work in this movie. And this movie is a long movie. This it is movie, a long movie. I decided to watch it after work uh, when I saw it. Okay. Uh, I got out of work at 11.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. The movie started at midnight. Mm-hmm. I didn't set foot out of the theater until 3 a.m. Yeah, it's a two-hour and 41-minute movie. Um, yeah, and you feel all two hours and 41 minutes. 
so one thing I will get back to Ironheart, but in since we're talking about timing of everything, um, one thing I thought that was really good about this movie was the pacing. Yes, it's a long movie, but if I didn't know it was going to be that long, I probably wouldn't have thought about it being that long. I was engaged pretty much the whole time watching this movie. I feel like pacing wise, there weren't anything. There wasn't a whole lot that felt like it dragged for too long. Don't get me wrong. Me bringing up the the length of this movie isn't me saying that that's a bad thing. And it, even the things that like could be cut don't need to be cut. Like there are some movies that happen where like you're watching this whole thing and and this whole subplot happens and you think, wow, this entire subplot doesn't need to happen. I'm thinking like the casino thing from Star Wars Episode Eight. That whole thing doesn't mm, need to happen. Okay, I'm thinking like Robert Pattinson walking like a snail in the Batman the entire movie. Yeah, that could be sped up a little bit too. <laughs> But like, (laughs) but with this movie, while those things could be cut, you don't need to cut them. No. And I wasn't, I wasn't trying to say that you were putting it in a bad light. I just mean, I thought that it was paced really well. Nothing seemed like it went by too fast either. I feel like everything got the moments that it needed to get, right? Which was really cool. And they did it, like they did the whole thing tastefully. They did it all with the right amount of speed, timing, um... An example of something that I think goes too fast, um, especially for the first time you're watching it, is in the first, like, 20 minutes of Thor Ragnarok, I struggle because it's such back-and-forth, fast-paced action cuts. It's like, all right, cut from this scene to this scene. Let's go from here to here really fast, and then we'll cut back to here, and we'll be like, okay, now we'll slow down and we'll tell the rest of this story. But, like, the beginning of that movie, for me, the first time I watched it was very difficult to get through because it was such fast-paced craziness but like now that i know it and i know what to expect it doesn't bother me right but i didn't have that issue with this movie i felt like they took their time in the places they needed to but they also went fast enough in other places which was cool um back to iron heart i'm gonna be honest it took me a long time to realize that this was iron heart in this movie just because oh, no. i don't so like <laughs> no that's not a bad thing i just i don't okay. know the comics super well just in general for marvel right like I had, I could tell you that Ironheart is a Marvel character. No, same up in, here. Up until the, this movie, I would not have known anything else about them. So when they're like, Riri yep. Williams, I'm like, who the heck is Riri Williams? Okay, it's Ironheart. The only reason that I knew who Ironheart was is because I was following all the different comic book channels and Marvel stuff and knew okay. that there was an Ironheart show coming out. Okay. And cool. knowing that there was an Ironheart show coming out, that's where I was like, okay... They're introducing this character. They're making a big deal of them mm-hmm. with how Marvel's been handling uh, Disney Plus shows and their movies. This is a character that's going to be introduced into a show. Sure. You know, that's cool. That makes a lot of sense. So that's the only reason that I knew where we were going with it. And we fast forward to the somewhat abduction, uh, then full abduction of Riri Williams and Shuri with the Ironheart suit. What did you think of the suit? Um, the original one, the first one. The first one. Um, when she's in the garage. I thought it was really yeah. cool. I thought it was very fitting for a 19-year-old girl to have made it the way it was. It felt very much like Iron Man 2, the whiplashes yeah. suit. It felt very much like that, which I thought was cool. But it also had its own spin, right? Because she's her own person, and she came up with her cannons and stuff on her own, which was cool. Yeah, it, it feels like its own character without being definitely inspired by Iron Man, but not Iron Man. Yeah, I like in that scene. I did not realize that this was Iron Heart specifically. I was like, mm. "Oh, this girl's really smart. She's trying to be like Tony Stark." That's all I thought of it. 
I didn't realize it was Ironheart until literally the scene where she cuts out the iron heart when oh. she's making her newer <laughs> suit later. That's just me being oblivious to the world, though, so that's fine. Fair. But I got it. That's what that was for, was to give that point eventually. But I thought she was such a cool character because she's like this daring, brave girl who is so smart and so like ready to put herself out there. Oh, yeah. And incredibly smart, like Shuri level smart. Yeah, which is cool to see. But and like when the cops are chasing them and the drone's in the sky and she's like, I can get up there and I can take out that drone above where I'm able to breathe the oxygen. Like, yeah, <laughs> she just did that. She just went. And I was like, that's wild to me. That was really cool. I also really enjoy how Riri isn't exactly on board with having to put her life completely on hold to go to Wakanda, uh, even though it is for her own protection and she will die. And she doesn't quite get that at first, but like just very much like, no, I have school. I have a life like I'm doing things yeah. like I'm doing life. Uh, and then when they get to the warehouse and the police show up and she just starts throwing everything in a trash can lighter fluid sets it on fire it's just very much yep. like angry the whole just time pissed off yeah uh, it's it's amazing <laughs> it was like, awesome it, i can't wait to see more of this character and watch this character develop into hopefully a mainstay character yeah i can't i can't wait to see where we see her right because like you said like there's going to be an iron heart show and that's awesome but i am excited to see what happens because because she's at mit Oh, I MJ didn't even and think Ned about that. Are also yeah. going to MIT. Wow, so I didn't even connect will that we one. See her, will we see her in a Spider-Man movie too? That could be really cool to me. Ooh. Oh, I didn't even think about that. The only thing I was thinking is that she was going to help... Um, uh, I can't think of the character's name, but War Machine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Rhodey. Rhodey. I thought she was going to be helping uh, Rhodey in the Armor Wars movie. Which, by the way, isn't okay. a show anymore. It's going to be a movie. So I think they took the feedback from all the Disney Plus shows so far. And mm. I think they realized with the Captain America and the, and the Winter Soldier show that that could have been a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and that would have been more concise and it would probably felt better. Uh, we'll talk about that show Pacing later. Pacing-wise, yeah. That's, but, that's I mean, a pacing thing, like I was saying before. So And, and I think... With Armor Wars being a movie, I thought Riri was going to be in, or Riri, I thought Ironheart was going to be in the Armor Wars movie, which very well she could be, but I didn't even think to consider her being in like Mm -hmm. a Spider-Man thing. And especially with Tom Holland's Spider-Man's relationship to Iron Man, I I wonder how that dynamic's going to be. That'll be really interesting. That could be cool, considering no one knows who he is now. Yeah. And that being said, on the side note, Vincent D'Onofrio has expressed clear interest in wanting to be part of a Spider-Man project. I I'm want, so excited for I it. I want it to happen. I so want bad. it so I bad. I don't know if it'll happen or not, but my God, I want it to happen. Yeah. That'd um, be really cool, too. Oh, it'd be amazing. Anyway, back to this yeah. movie. So then we get this fight scene between Shuri, Okoye, Ironheart, semi-conscious sometimes, and the warriors of Talakan. And yeah. wow, these people are terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really enjoy how... Aside from them being blue, they feel distinct and very similar to uh, Wakanda. They feel very much their own culture, their own fighting style, their own people. They feel not just written for this movie. They feel like they've already existed and are being written about. And I know that the comics are a thing and there's a whole bunch of stuff to pull from. But 
yeah. they do a really good job of translating that into this movie of not just up oh, here are the bad guys for this movie and very much up oh, here's this nation nobody knew about in a very similar way of wakanda yeah no i agree i thought that that was a, a again another really cool fight scene um between atuma who is one of the like lead warrior for the talakan people and okoye that fight between the two of them was really cool just like with the respect and honor that they have for each other as these warriors right because oh, yeah. they're not fighting dirty they're not fighting like someone turns their back they're not stabbing each other in the back they're literally like we respect each other because we are both these top elite generals of our respective nations and we're gonna fight with that respect which is really interesting now that for being like said, this quote-unquote villainous people right to oh, have that for, respect. for sure Really the, cool. the thing with this fight scene that I both loved and then made me feel kind of, yeah, okay. Okoye gets some full-on killing blows in. Full-on takes these people down, and they are just down on the ground. And then mm-hmm. they get back up. Yeah. And that, while it's a scary moment that they come back up, it felt, I don't want to say PG-13, but it felt very like, oh, everybody's okay. You know, we're not going to get that violent. We're not going to go that that much. And I feel like it would have had more of an impact had something of like, I I don't know. I don't want to say of substance, but something of note having happened out of that fight, because at the end of that fight, everybody's alive. Everybody's okay, except the cops that show up and try and, you know, I I think one of the cops says, is that a blue person? And then all of a sudden a whale just, Mm -hmm. you know, takes them out. Um, Essentially. Um, Really, my... My only issue with all of them not dying and getting back in the water and being fine is that's the only time in the movie that that sort of thing happens, right? And they make a big deal out of it because when Okoye goes back to Wakanda without Shuri because Shuri and Riri get taken by the Talakan people, um, when Okoye goes back, she's like, I dealt these killing blows and they got right up. I was like, oh, that just means that they're super powerful. But then later on in the movie, Nakia shoots one of them and they die. That's all right. That's fair. That's where my issue is with yeah. it. Like, why is it one time it's they're fine I, and then the next time they're not? I don't understand. I that. wonder That's if it was decision. like the, the type of attack because Maybe. they did end up changing their weapons around because it was like a sonic gun rather than like a... That's, true it wasn't a vibranium spear it was a sonic gun so i don't know if that's what it was yeah that was the difference but they didn't explain it very well so that's what i was confused about throughout the movie one thing that they did explain well though is how they were able to fight on the surface and it's with these Mm -hmm. water mask apparatus which is such a cool concept of you know we, we see so many of like the uh I, <laughs> my brain goes to the the prequels in Star Wars with the little like side air oxygenator breather things. Yeah, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and even with Iron Man going underwater in the first Avengers movie to you know do some welding, we've seen our characters going underwater before. But seeing water characters come up on land, I like how they had a whole explanation and mm-hmm. practical way of doing it, not just a fanciful magic way of doing it. And, like, they, they could have easily made them breathe air, too. Mm-hmm. You know, that that could have easily been a thing. I'm glad that they didn't. I'm glad they explained the science of it because of how scientific this movie was. Oh, yeah. With the amount of science going into Wakanda and Shuri's knowledge and Riri's knowledge, just having that legit explanation was really helpful, I think, 
instead of just being like, oh, movie magic. Okay, cool. They're fine. Um, yeah. They gave definitive explanations for it, which was neat. Yeah. Let's talk about Namor for a little bit. Okay. Or Namor yeah. or Cool Cool Khan, whoever, yeah. <laughs> whatever you want to call him. Um, <laughs> that that line by M'Baku. Uh, who, who is M'Baku? Winston uh, Duke. Yeah, Winston. Playing Win- M'Baku. <laughs> Winston Duke's line reading of that is just perfect. Uh, his people call him Cool Cool Khan. Uh, that, that's just, I love yeah. that line so much. Anyway, sorry. Um, he's so cool to me. Namor, I mean. Um, oh, yeah. In a terrifying way, because he is so powerful. And even after, like, at the end of the movie, that the whole fight, he's still alive. And as yeah. soon as he got back in the water, he healed and he was fine. Like, wow. It's definitely a really good, like, for instance, Killmonger. If Killmonger yeah. hadn't died at the end of the first movie, and I'm not saying mm-hmm. being locked up, but if he had had that sort of presence and that sort of staying power... It would have had the same impact that Namor had with this movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just this, this really mm-hmm. powerful. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I mean, Killmonger more on the bad guy side, but like Namor, yeah, yeah questionable. You know? Yeah, he is definitely a powerful, powerful being, and that's why that's why he is the like the winged serpent god to his people, essentially, or whatever. Yeah, and like real quick, I know he said it earlier. But how impressive is it that they managed to make a guy with feathers on his feet scary and not yeah. just cheesy? Because this could have this yeah. could have this could have easily been like he shows up and everybody lets out a silent laugh because he has feathers on his feet kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And going into this movie, I didn't know who Namor was. Right. I didn't I'd never heard of him. Because I don't know anything about the comics, like I said. The only thing I knew about him going in was that he was made before Aquaman. Like, he, he existed before Aquaman, but not by long. And that's about as far as it went. And Aquaman was the superior underwater guy. Mm-hmm. You know? So, Namor also goes by the name Submariner in the comics. Oh, um, he's okay. both. He's Namor the Submariner. And he was the first Marvel comic, I believe. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, I had heard of Submariner as, like, the first Marvel comic to ever come out, right? I didn't know that Namor was the same thing until today. This is, like, the one thing that I found out today, that they're the same, which is really interesting to me. So, like, this is where it kind of started, which is why I guess people have been waiting to see Namor appear as a character. And there's a whole lot of legal stuff that's gone into why it hasn't happened yet why Namor can't have his own it's his the, own titled thing and it's it's the same thing as yeah, the Hulk he's okay. owned by Universal that's what i thought and, he's not and owned i was not 100% by, sure yeah he's not owned by Marvel he's owned through Universal still so that's why they've had to kind of figure it out and work their way around it just legal wise which is really interesting to me that being said though i am glad that this is his introduction into the MCU and this is oh, the they way did it that in they such a went. great way. Well, but they did it in such a way that, like, one, you get how powerful he is. Mm-hmm. Two, you understand why he's the quote-unquote bad guy of this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, why, why he's the, the opposing force, why he's the antagonist. But you also get how he could be good or bad moving forward. Yeah. And no, they leave it very like, open, which um, is cool kind of like Loki a little bit where Loki is a little bit more on the villain side. Now Loki is in such a place that it's 
you know, what are you a good person? Are you a bad person? Are you helping? Are you not? You obviously yeah. have your own agenda, and maybe half of your agenda lines up with what the good people want. Half your agenda lines up with the bad people want, and you have to go around all of that. Mm-hmm. He was very antagonistic in this movie, but that's they. I agree with you on that because they could have gone any direction, but they made it more so about the fact that he's protecting his people. So he's doing what he thinks is right. He's not doing it out of spite for anyone. He's not doing it because he's evil. He's doing it because he cares about his people. Actually, that brings up an interesting point. I was scrolling through TikTok, as one does, and I came across... uh, I'm going to pull it up real quick. Okay, so I just said I get this right. The uh, user is the watcher underscore 616, and uh, he had this really interesting theory um, because uh, when he says, "My, uh, I am Cuckoo Khan, my, the, you know, my yeah. friends call me Namora, whenever that's said, mm-hmm. who are his enemies? They've been At isolated. This point, that's fair. They've been isolated for a really long time. So... One, they haven't been part of this fight in a very long time. What is it, 500 mm-hmm. years? Something like that? A while, yeah. Yeah. Hundreds so, of years. So, so they've been isolated away, doing their own thing. What what enemies does he have? You, you know what I mean? So it almost feels like he doesn't, one, know what the proper retaliation should be. Like, to what point do I show my people that I am powerful and in charge and fair mm-hmm as well as just, but also will dish out justice. How will I keep my people safe? So his idea, oh, I'll just kill the only person that knows how to get to where we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if they're only 19 years old. Like that's sounds drastic, but it's also an entire nation. And like, wh- mm-hmm. where where's the line? And then when Wakanda doesn't provide Riri Williams, Ironheart, what, mo- what, what to what level is an acceptable form of retaliation and it almost seems like he was looking for a fight and the the way that this guy explains it through his tiktok is that he doesn't know because he's never had to deal with it really or hasn't had to deal with it in so long that okay i've given you a week i'm going to now show up and spoiler alert kill your queen you know what i mean like full-on maybe too much Mm -hmm. you know he he wanted to be he, he wants that that power and it almost seems yeah. like that that part of his character too is very much like i am i am the feather serpent god i want to be seen as such i am a yeah. force to be reckoned with but i don't know how to really have this fight because i've never had this fight yeah and this is no, what i think should be that's cool yeah yeah i like so, think that's interesting to think about so as soon as i knew that we were going to be talking about this movie i had to save that tiktok because it just it adds so much more to why he was the way he was in this movie and yeah. the decisions that he makes following that point of i guess we're going to talk about it now the death of the queen holy crap though the death of the queen um because if, if she doesn't speaking of it. which if she doesn't get an oscar for this movie or an oscar nod or or some sort <laughs> of she was acting her off in this movie like she did a wonderful job to, to the point that like I, like, like angela oh, bassett God. you killed it good job shout out to you yeah you um, you definitely need a shout out from us but you're <laughs> <laughs> but seriously though her her performance in this movie is oscar worthy and i'm not yeah. just saying that because i thought it was good i mean legitimately the monologues that she has in this movie are monologues mm-hmm. that you would see in 
much more drama pieces, not an MCU movie. Yeah. On the calmer side and the more like emotional side. Like Oh yeah. When she's like when she's talking to Shuri during the ritual that she's trying to get her to do by burning the funeral robes and Shuri doesn't. She's very calm, she's very focused. And then when Namor appears, she's very stern, but she's not like pissed off and angry, right? I, I will uh, but then say, we see her as soon as they were going through that scene. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. As soon as she okay. said the lines there's something I need to tell you about your brother. I had a suspicion that she was going to die. As as, as soon okay. as she said that line, I was like, oh, is she going to die in this movie? Maybe. Oh, huh. that'd be weird. Just because that, just because that's such like a... To have that sentence cut off by Namor showing up, that it's just such like a... I don't want to say cliche, but it felt very cliche. It, okay. Like it, it felt very much like, um, wait, before you go, there's something I have to tell you. And then, you know, the, the substation blows up or something. I, I don't know. But, like, as soon as that happened, that's all I could think for the rest of this movie. And then when the big fight was happening in Wakanda, I was genuinely really nervous. And apparently for good reason. Yeah. Sorry, you were, you were talking quick, about... Uh, we will get to that. Yeah. Um, she Yeah, she's so calm during all that. But then when she's, like, essentially firing Okoye, right? Like telling Okoye that she is no longer a part of the Dora Milaje. She needs to strip herself of her rank. She will just be a civilian. She's done. Mm-hmm. She goes off, man. And, and you, you know what? feel every word that she says. I, I felt I felt my tail tucked between my legs. I was... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and for as good, and, as good as Okoye has been doing, she had a point with everything she said. I know. That was, like, the first moment where I was like, Okoye does not have herself under control. Because no. Okoye is so stoic, so focused, so ready all oh, yeah. the time. And she was just broken. Yeah. Really, this this entire movie is just full of broken Wakandans. That's basically what this movie <laughs> is. It's Wakanda trying to figure themselves out. Like, Ramonda was broken. Okoye was broken. Shuri. Jeez, Shuri was broken. The whole movie. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to Shuri in a little bit. We could talk about Shuri on her own. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly, I did not expect Ramonda to die that line happened it's not something that i like looked into too much mm-hmm. but then she drowned and the more i was like holy crap which as soon as he was like you're queen now i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well the, the, like, oh, the no. whole even even the whole fight leading up to that point where the waters started to slowly rise and and the the torrent of water bombs which are a weird piece mm-hmm. of technology, but I guess that's the technology you would develop if you were underwater for 500 years. Mm-hmm. How the invasion of Wakanda happens and how this you know army comes in and they do the siren song again. So not only yeah. do you get just the one scene of it, no, this is a tactic. This is a this is a battle tactic. It's, it's terrifying. Crazy. It's so scary. Um, and then you have Mbaku coming in, and what is he doing but protecting the people? And yeah. I say that because... Going into this movie, there was a lot of talk about who was supposed to be, or not supposed to be, who was going to become the Black Panther. You know, who yeah. who is going to carry on this mantle. And I think it made sense on a character standpoint for Shuri to have it. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But where they end this movie, jumping way ahead with him challenging for the throne, honestly, it makes sense. Oh, it makes so much sense. Like, it makes it, um, it makes a lot of sense for him to become the protector of Wakanda. And yeah. I think they did I mean, a really good I, job of setting that up. M'Baku in this movie, I think, is my favorite character in the movie. Just his arc 
from the first Black Panther through the end of this movie is like as good of a redemption arc as you can probably have. Like, but but I not mean, even... even at the end of Black Panther, the first one, like he wasn't bad at like he wasn't like oh yeah, quote unquote, yeah. the bad guy at that yeah. point. But like just his growth and his he feels passion. He feels like a fully developed character, not just a character yeah. doing things that the movie needs them to do. Yeah, no, and I thought that was really cool to see. I really liked watching that growth just through this movie alone. Because at the beginning, he's like, "Let's kill the guy." Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, he's like, oh, that's not that's not the, the solution. Yeah. It's also a really good show of like the best parts of masculinity without being toxic about it. Mm-hmm. And I love that there's a character that represents that to the fullest extent that it can be. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Well, no, I we, love we have books we read like, yeah, we, we know these mm-hmm. things like, hey, I love may- that. maybe I also, are, are you like... sure you want to go to war? Like, because if you kill this guy. You're going to be starting a nonstop war between us and their people. Like, I'll support you, but I don't know if this is the best idea. Like, he just very... Not, I, I want to say wise. Wise is the wrong word. But not. I get I get wise. Wise makes well, sense. I mean, wise me. makes sense, but it's not the word that I'm thinking um, of. Like, very full full circle is not the right thing. I'm trying to figure out... This is going to be a lot growth. to cut out. It, I'm really, sorry. it is... It really is growth. <laughs> like, it makes sense. Um, yeah. That's, I don't yeah. know word-wise what you're looking for, but yeah. I'll think of the word eventually. Uh, I think that his character is so, so cool because he can be like terrifying and this big guy who's just like, I'm going to wipe these people out because I have that ability and it's what I need to do, right? He's got that pride, but he also has that soft side. And we see that at like Ramonda's funeral, which yeah. is one of the one of the moments that I'm just like, it makes my heart drop, right? Like, oh, it, he goes I, and he wants to talk to Shuri. He comes up to her and he's like, "My, your brother told me to like watch over you and make sure that you're okay and offer you guidance or just a shoulder to cry on." Essentially, is what he says. Yeah, and that softness to her is like something that I would never have expected from Mbaku, even halfway through this movie. Um, yeah, and her line in that moment of he just took the one person who truly knew my heart mm-hmm. line like that was hard to hear yeah like and can, can you just talking about shuri and the struggle that she's gone through at this point this must have been in the script right like in the original script this this whole thing with namor killing the queen must have happened in in the original script right because I don't think that probably because I don't think that they rewrote the entire movie because the movie the the script was done before Chadwick passed. Um, yeah, no, the movie was gonna be different. I don't know what those changes were. I don't. But know, I I wonder if um, this is something that what the entire plot was. I wonder if this is something that would have stayed. I don't know. I because I think this this moment this is a big part of the movie and this drives a lot of the conflict and what happens moving forward. But like, what an impactful scene this would have been for Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther to deal with. Oh yeah, you know, for T'Challa. Either to go way, through. it would have been great because I think it would have been along the lines of like I've just been thinking about this a lot. I think it would have been along the lines of he wants the borders to be open and he wants to be welcoming of everybody. But then suddenly he has to deal with a nation that doesn't want its borders open right after, mm-hmm. like it very much par- running in parallel and then dealing with this. Yeah. No, I don't know. That's something that I have not done a lot of research on, on like what the original plan was versus what they had to change it to. But either way, very, very cool. Very impactful either way. 
Uh, for, yeah, no, I, uh, ab- absolutely. I, I was definitely tearing up during the fu- the second funeral scene. The first funeral mm-hmm. scene, yeah, tearing up. Second funeral scene, you know, there were tears. There were a couple of tears for sure. I said this, I think, I think I said this to Marissa, but also just a couple of my friends. I think I teared up slash cried more in this movie than any other Marvel movie aside from Endgame. Um, uh, for me, it was this one. Maybe No, Way, no Home. Way Home. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no I, Way Home and I, this one were pretty on par with each other, though. I, I, um, I definitely teared. I think I teared up more with No Way Home, but no, I completely get it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this one was a, a heavy one, just in general. And um, speaking of things getting heavy, directly after this, you know, death of the queen scene, we have Shuri creating the heart-shaped herb again synthetically. Was so cool, and we get probably the best cameo outside of No Way Home in an MCU property, and it's probably even... the best surprise, the best twist that this movie could have offered. And we get Michael B. Jordan coming back as Killmonger. I, no part of me thought that was going to happen. No, not at all. I thought there it was, was going to be the Queen. I thought she chance. was going to say some line about like, "Oh, you have to show strength, and you can't kill him." And there was going to be an argument. No, it was yeah. straight up Killmonger. I going, thought. No, 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 no. Kill him. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought this was Shuri's turning point, right? I thought this was when she was going to be, like, going from this vengeful person to, I understand. Nope, that was not it. <laughs> That's not what happened yeah. at all. And Killmonger showing up, it caught me so off guard. Yeah, and but his presence in the movie was very true to his character. Very much, yeah, yeah this is... And the afterlife scene with the, the columns of fire in in mm-hmm. the in the uh in the throne room perfect and it was very true to shuri's character yeah, at this yeah. Point Ev- everything that happened didn't feel like a character making a decision because the movie needed to happen it felt very much like yeah this character in this emotional state that's the move that they're gonna make yeah everything that killmonger said in the ancestral plane which is where they were mm-hmm. was totally accurate to shuri in that moment yeah and i was like that's terrifying because we've only looked at Shuri as this positive force, right? This not not a bad guy in any way, shape, or form, um, but the sister of King T'Challa. So why would she be bad at all? Why would she have these negative thoughts? And then we see the comparison between her and Killmonger, the actual bad guy from the first Black Panther movie. I'm like, whoa, it's all about context. And it, it took me until after after watching this movie and and thinking about it for a little bit and watching other people talk about it, the journey that she goes on through this movie from the death of the queen leading up to it. Sure. But the death of the queen starting there through the end of the movie is almost the same arc in parallel that T'Challa had in Captain America civil war and very much having to realize that you can't just punch your way out. You can't just kill the guy that caused the thing. You have to actively solve the problem that was caused. You know, it Mm -hmm. it felt like a continuation of the Black Panther story, not a, you know, out of left, you know, out of left field, nothing known kind of thing. I want to jump real quick. We're going to completely change our thoughts, our topic right now. Um, I want to jump to Everett Ross in this movie because we haven't talked about him (laughs) at all yet. Um, And I keep going back and forth in my mind on if... I really like the fact that he's in this movie or not, right? Um, The only real important things that he does, he does two things. One, he tells us where to find Riri Williams. Um, That's important. Mm -hmm. And two, he tells us that 
Valentina De Fontaine was his ex-wife, and he and that she is the director of the CIA. Which those are the two things that also, he does in this movie. Which was also a twist that I was not expecting. Oh, I wasn't ready for that at all. Um, don't get me wrong; I'm glad that we found that out. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, Everett Ross really isn't that necessary for this movie to happen. No, and th- that's kind of like what I was talking with the whole Ironheart thing. This is a character I don't think necessarily needed to be part of the movie and definitely mm-hmm. felt like the, you know, Kevin Feige and the Marvel Studios were like, hey, we need to introduce the Ironheart character. Here's the direction we're thinking about going for it. And also, you know, where we, how can we put Everett Rost where we want him in the future? Because the Thunderbolts thing wouldn't happen if Everett Rost were where he was and it was, it was Valentina. Mm-hmm. So having him be arrested at the end of the movie... And then uh, broken out by the Wakandans. That makes complete sense. Oh, it sense. all makes total sense. And I get him being in the movie because he was such a major part of the first Black Panther movie. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is this is his series, right? This Black Panther is the series that Everett Ross is a part of now in the MCU. Yeah. Like, all these characters have their specific series that they're in. Which is fine. I'm good with that. I think the most exciting part was seeing Valentina De Fontaine from all that, though. Obviously, like as much as I love I, I don't Freeman, know. I don't know. And I love the, his the, character as Everett Ross. When they were cutting over to, oh, we need to get in contact with somebody. I was like, oh, is this going to be Everett Ross? And then what was it? Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers started playing, and he's on yeah, his run. Uh-huh. It was just like, all right, yeah, cool. It was very entertaining. <laughs> I just I like that it. Shuri's idea of him is our favorite colonizer. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny to me, too, that she says that. The fact that they just <laughs> refer to him as colonizer is perfect. So we kind of skipped, like, a major chunk of this movie where uh, Shuri and Riri go down to Talakan, and we see Talakan, and maybe we should talk about Talakan. Uh, yeah, that's fair. We did not actually <laughs> talk about that at all. We talked about all the different characters and how they make us feel, but not about the place of Talokan, so that's a good point. Um, one, I think it's gorgeous. <laughs> oh, it, it's absolutely <laughs> I think beautiful. it is so beautifully made. I just wish that there was more structures. Was more structures. Were more structures. It, you know, like, it felt... Okay, it, yeah. It didn't feel like a city as much as it felt no. like a cave. Like, um, like I, not a cave that had, like, not like the, what, what's the Native American um, tribe that, like, would build into the walls out in, like, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, like, where, where they, like, have, like, a whole city built into a mountain. It didn't feel like that as much as it felt like, it, it just felt very sparse, but it still felt like its I own will, place. Do you know what I mean? So, I will say, um, Talakan, I think, is definitely based on the idea of the comics of atlantis right because that's uh, no for sure in the comics they doubt. are from atlantis so talakan yeah. is based on that when i think of atlantis i do probably go to the little mermaid before anywhere else which like really? in like that well i don't know okay. i mean probably not See, i would in, in my go brain to... i go to the atlantis movie i agree with that too and like that, that we're talking about that stereotypical that like aesthetic, what I does guess. it look like if we're going to like stereotypical what does it look like i'm just saying like even in The Little Mermaid, Atlantis is depicted not as, like, this big city, right? Like, it's... That's fair. The, like, the one big castle-type structure. And that's kind of what Talakan shows. Yeah. I'm sure there are other parts to it that we didn't really see. And I th- um, and that, that's more so what I mean. I'm, I don't mean it as a negative. I mean it more as a, I can't wait to come back to this place to see more in the way of, like, Wakanda, where we got to see the throne room. We got to see what the city looks like. You know, from a, a outside point and we got to see a field mm-hmm. 
And then we got to see so much more of the city with the markets and and more of the day-to-day culture and a little bit more of what Wakanda is in this movie. I hope we get that for Telecon in a future project. I think that would be really cool. I agree with you. Yeah, that would be nice uh, because we only saw it for a few minutes. We didn't see much of it. I wish for the amount of science that they go into, there is a lot of magic to it, right? Because Mm -hmm. they don't really explain how vibranium works or why it can do so many of the different things that it can do, how it can be so like almost liquid in some senses, but then it's also the hardest element in the world and how it it can create a sun in an underwater cave. I don't understand how vibranium does all of these different things and they don't explain that part of it. And how it led to the first mutant. And they actually confirmed Namor as the first mutant. So mutants are now officially in the MCU. Okay, very cool, yeah. So, like... That's fair. In the same way that Wakanda has all these magical properties about it, I kind of... I agree in that I wish that they explained it a little bit, but I like that it is just kind of... We aren't using sorcerer magic. We're using this, like, ancient magic that exists within this metal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I wonder if at some point we're going to get the... uh, they talk a lot about the asteroid and how, you know, the Wakandans thought there was the only one. yeah. And then, you know, they were like, oh, there must have been more. I wonder mm-hmm. if at some point in, like, an Eternals project or something, we're going to get some sort of celestial being throwing a hunk of vibranium at Earth. That could be cool. You know, I, like, I wonder if... That'd be really interesting. Like, I, I, yeah. I think we'll eventually get that, just because... See where in the whole, like, universe it's from. Yeah. Because it's not from Earth. Right. It's found on Earth now, but where did it come from originally? Yeah. Right. That's actually really cool. So I think I we'll eventually get that. I didn't think about that. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah. But, I mean, I think Talakan was beautiful. I agree. I would love to see more of it. Um, but the fact that they have this entire underwater world that nobody knows about is actually really impressive, considering you can get there just by swimming down in a little pond. Yeah. <laughs> and and how they decided to show off Talakan might have mm-hmm. been unintentionally funny, but Shuri was like, Oh well how how can I see it? We're, you know, very far underwater. How how can I view this? And taking a step back, John, when whenever you and I see a movie that we want to talk about on this podcast, we wait to talk about it until we have a chance to talk about it. Yep. And so I left the theater. I wanna see if I can find it real quick. Uh okay. No, after that. Okay, I can't find it. But after the movie, the only thing that I told you, uh, my reaction to the movie was, wow, I'm so glad that they put the COVID denier inside a bubble boy suit to go visit an outside city. And (laughs) that's... Yeah. That's kind of the elephant in the room we haven't talked about either, and why I'm very on board with M'Baku taking over the mantle and taking over being in charge of Wakanda and kind of pushing Suri to the side. As much as character-wise within the story of the MCU, she definitely deserves the title of Black Panther and deserved the spotlight within this movie and having that moment of being the Black Panther... And very well could have mm-hmm. continued should the story have wanted her to have kept her as the leader of Wakanda and her to take over as queen. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. definitely like a possibility that they could have chosen to do. But elephant in the room, real world events happen. Obviously, things like yeah. Chadwick Boseman passing away happened, but like COVID happened. Mm-hmm. COVID is a thing. Vaccines work. And the actress playing Shuri 
you almost have to death of the author it a little bit in some of the stuff that she was saying and some of the ways that she was acting, you know? And I had, for instance, I had a very hard time watching her be the lead in this movie and root for her because in the back of my mind, that's all I could think about, Mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, I was enjoying the movie and I was enjoying the story and I was enjoying the characters doing the things that they had to do and going through the things that they were going through and the story as a whole, incredible, but I couldn't not think about it. Sure. I get that. Um, I didn't read into it a whole lot. I had heard that there were like difficulties with it because of her not being vaccinated. I didn't read into what her reasoning behind all that was, whether it was just she didn't want to, whether it was like personal health reasons, whether it was something else like that. I don't really know. Um, But like long story short, she had to have gotten vaccinated. Otherwise they wouldn't have let her be on set to shoot during that time. But I... I totally understand that. It's it, it was your perspective on that too. I d- yeah. I don't like disagree with you. I just I don't I can't say anything personally because I don't know the full story. I didn't read into it. I didn't look at much of it. So that's fair, and it it just felt very off putting. Sure, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I I couldn't help but laugh a little bit when they put her in the in the the underwater suit and <laughs> you're like, oh, this was you were filmed on a green screen, not around everybody. Good good call. I thought it was funny, not because of that, but I thought it was funny that she was given that suit because we watched the people die that were in those suits at the beginning. Oh, yeah, that was pretty rough. Which I just (laughs) thought was funny. He was like, we have a suit for you. I was like, he murdered someone. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a dead person's suit that you're wearing now. Congrats. Very much so, yeah. (laughs) That's where I was at with it. I just thought that was funny. Um, But yeah. But aside from that, Um, Telecon is a really cool place. I liked the whole, like... They gave them their own distinct hello hand motion, you know. Yeah. Like, it it felt very much in the same way of Wakanda, its own culture. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, as I was saying earlier, I only have one other thing, unless you have more to say about Telecon. No, what do you got? The only wish that I have for this movie is that they switched the end credit scene with the last scene in this movie. Okay. Because we get Nakia. We didn't even talk about Nakia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Nakia's in this movie for a good portion of it. Actually, I guess I have a couple more things. Haha. Ha. Um, Nakia has this child with T'Challa. Yeah. And that's the, oh, I have something to tell you about your brother. Mm-hmm. Beautiful scene. I thought it was so nice. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Um, and when she says that she knew that T'Challa was going to pass away, meaning that T'Challa shared that with her and shared mm-hmm. with T'Challa Jr. And I'm not just saying T'Challa Jr., but it's T'Challa Jr. No, I know that's his name, um, essentially. Saying, yeah, no, we, we prepped for his passing. We, did, we yeah. didn't want him to be part of the craziness that is royalty and the craziness that is Wakanda right now. We want you to grow up and be a kid and be okay with T'Challa's passing and for Suri to go through that with him and and, and have that kind of closure moment, you know, when when she's finally able to burn the funeral robes Mm -hmm. and is finally like, oh, oh, you're my nephew. You you know what I mean? Like that, that moment, that's the other moment where I teared up because that just... I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it now. Like I'm just reliving it. I'm like, ah. But it's such such a, (laughs) it's such a quiet moment. It is. Again, and that's... Yeah. It... It's the same feeling as the very beginning with the Marvel sequence at the beginning. Yes. It's the same sound. Oh, well, they, the they, same sound. They, play, it's just that. they play a couple of clips of him just silently without yeah. words. 
Yeah, absolutely tear jerking. Yeah. But I, really, really nice. I wish that that scene had been part of the movie and not a post credit scene. Okay. And I wish that the scene of M'Baku showing up and being like, hey, I'm here to challenge for the throne. Not out of anger, not out of wanting to fight, but more so, yeah, I think I should mm-hmm. be in charge. I think that that should have been the, the end credit, like, oh, interesting, kind of end to it. I get what you're saying. And I, and I, I get to, that. And I get Chadwick Boseman's death and probably influenced that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But that would have been an interesting place to leave it. That's fair. I think that that could be a cool way to do it. I get why they did it the way they did to make the reveal of M'Baku coming out of the ship more of a surprise. Because mm-hmm. if they had shown Shuri in Haiti first, then you'd be like, well, she's not on that ship. Who's coming out of the ship? So they, I think they did it that way to kind of have that surprise of M'Baku appearing. Oh, for sure. Instead of Shuri. But I think... There isn't a wrong way, either way, to do that. I think both work just as well. Yeah. I think in terms of the typical post-credit scene that we've become accustomed to, having the M'Baku scene be the post-credit scene makes more sense. Um, But Marvel's been doing different things with their post-credit scenes recently, so they're kind of changing it up. They're not necessarily making it about what's coming next. They're just kind of making it extensions of the end of the movie, right? And that's kind of what they did with this one, which was interesting. But either way, I like both versions of it. I think that would have been cool, though, to see also. And and you know what? Thinking about it, I think it would have worked better had this not been the end of Phase 4. But that scene was the perfect way to end Phase 4. Oh, yeah. So that... It was closure. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what it needed to be. And it had that closure. But also, like, that new beginning, right? So it was a little bit of both, which was kind of cool. Real Um, quick, I do have three other things. Just real fast, rapid fire. Yeah. Go, bring it. Um, okay. Ironheart's suit at the end felt plasticky. I, I don't know how to explain it, um, but the Ironheart suit at the end of the movie just felt like an unfinished render. And I know that Marvel's been pushing the VFX houses to the limit by, you know, project after project, thing after thing. But it felt more like the robot in Star Tours when you're waiting to get on the ride than it did feel like <laughs> an actual, like, character in a suit, not just an animated thing on the screen. You know what I mean? Like, it, it felt okay. shiny and plasticky. Um, I, I don't know how to explain it. Sure. For me, um, as soon as that suit was revealed and she was in it, um, I thought it was the Pokemon Caesar oh. <laughs> because uh, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, You're not wrong. That's where I was at, but it's okay. Uh, I didn't hate it. It looked I'm, I'm, It looked very future, right? It looked very Wakanda, I feel like. Um, I'm looking forward but to with it a getting twist. refined. It looked... I, I guess it just didn't have enough details on it. Like, that's, it felt, it yeah. felt very smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, like which it was. Yeah. I mean, so were the Midnight Angels. The which is the second thing I wanted to talk about. Squid head things that I agree one hundred percent with Okoye on. Ugly, really. So ugly. I love them. I didn't like. I thought it was so cool. I don't know. I thought they were cool. I thought what they could do was really cool. Um, but as soon as Okoye put the mask back and it was just like the weird yeah, headpiece on top of her head, I was like, that looks so awkward. That looked bad. Uh, yes. <laughs> that that did look very dumb. Um. I didn't love them. I loved what they could do. I loved their ability as they were flying through the air, which I didn't know they could fly. Yep. That was pretty cool. Um, but just as a thing, I was like, mm, okay, we're going for Cthulhu vibes. Got it. Yeah, I, I liked the <laughs> cool. that I was good with that. And looked really cool. That being said, in a fight, dreads wouldn't help, I guess, in that way because 
you'd be worried about somebody grabbing on. But at that point, if you're close enough to a Koye to the point where you can grab onto the dreads behind you. her, you're already yeah. dead. So, yeah, it, it doesn't matter too much. <laughs> Third um, thing, go. <laughs> Third thing, the fight between Shuri and Namor at the end was brutal yeah it was especially when when shuri uh depowered him Mm -hmm. you know and and they were on like the same power level you know because they make that offhanded reference like oh wow this guy can punch almost as hard as the hulk it's like okay i wonder if we'll see him in the hulk punch it Mm -hmm. out at some point but like with with how they handled that fight it felt brutal yeah and I'm hoping that I, I know that like I'm a big fan of the boys and I know you are too and, and like Invincible and we have these superhero shows that just go, yeah, that's what it would look like if someone were to super speed through somebody. I don't think the MCU needs to get to that no. level of brutality, but I, I enjoy the fact that now they're starting to realize that they need to have some level of it to have stakes. They're not as afraid to show realism. To, to, and but more so to to show the stakes of a fight. Yeah. Like yeah, this is a this is what two people fighting to the death looks mm-hmm. like. And you have the more full on impale Shuri. Yeah, and then like, she not not just legitimately stab, burns not him just alive. Stab not just like yeah, but but I mean like not just Mm-mm. stab, not just like you know uh, cut on the arm. No, it's a full through the yeah. gut. And then yeah, she burns him alive and burns him bad. Yeah cuts off part of his wing and you see blood coming out that's yeah it's brutal brutal, brutal it's really rough and it was nice to see the mcu moving in that direction because the only complaint that i've had with the mcu so far is that it hasn't felt like there have been stakes Mm -hmm. and it feels like with that final fight there finally are stakes yeah um and i and i feel like after talking forever that's all i have to talk about this movie hey that's cool man (laughs) no this was a good chat i don't know if you have anything else um no, I think that covers most of it. And I mean, I'm sure we missed things. I'm sure there are other things we could have talked about. And if anybody that is listening wants to complain about that, please tell us what you thought. Yeah, yeah let it, um, And tell us what we got wrong. Yeah, tell us what we got wrong, except for <laughs> the part at the beginning where we know that we were wrong with the order of how the movie starts. That's okay. We already corrected that. Don't come at us about that. We're sorry. Um, <laughs> um, okay, Colin. We apologize, to, we apologize to everybody affected. Yeah. Um, we 100%. Uh, but Colin, it is time. Uh-oh. Please give me your rating from one to five on this movie. What did you think of it? One to five. I think I'm in between a four and a four and a half, leaning more towards a four and a half. I loved this movie. I thought it was fantastic. I thought the overall story was a, a perfect continuation of the Black Panther movie, even dealing with Chadwick Boseman's death. Watching uh, Civil War into Infinity War into Endgame into, uh, or I guess the Civil War into Black Panther into Infinity War into Endgame into this movie, and whatever they end up doing next with the Black Panther character and Wakanda as a whole will really cement where this movie lands in between that four and four and a half. Not that that's a huge big of a change, but it's definitely Mm -hmm. an amazing continuation of the story. Yeah, I get that. Uh, What about you? That's cool. Um, I, coming in, was like four and a half i don't know more than that i don't know i've been on the fence between four and a half and a five and i think just because of how beautifully made this movie was and how nice of a tribute it is to chadwick boseman i'm gonna go five i'm gonna give oh, it a five nice. i don't give a lot of fives fair. but i'm gonna give it a i five mean absolutely fair so nice yeah and i think it deserves it that's what i'm gonna go with five Ooh. yeah i don't do that a lot wow. um but here we are crazy <laughs> i know that about wraps up 
Black Panther Wakanda Forever for us. Hopefully you enjoyed what you heard. And if you did, don't forget to rate us five stars on whatever podcast listening place you like to use. And uh, if you didn't enjoy what you heard today, uh, we're going to get Kuku Khan. I mean, no more to come after you. So, uh, yeah, rate us that five stars. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, there's new episodes of the Other Brothers podcast every Tuesday, kind of. And if you have any suggestions for what we should review next, or any top five ideas down the road, you can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Other Bros Pod. Yeah, we're, we're trying to become more, getting back into the swing of things, producing more of this content for you guys, and kind of being a little bit more on social media. So, well, yeah, we're trying, we're trying. But most importantly, mm-hmm. the most important thing you can do, tell your friends about us. Yeah, pass the word around. Word of mouth is probably the best way to get us out there. (laughs) And with that, I've been John. I've been Colin. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Other Brothers Podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. 